Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by VentTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry to learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds And check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Well, hey, everybody. I'm very pleased today to have as our special guest, Sean Carrington from Carrington Lawn and Landscape based in Middleton, Wisconsin. Thanks so much for joining us, Sean. Thanks a lot for having me, Phil. It's quite the honor. Yeah, so um, Middleton, Wisconsin. Some of our listeners might not know where that is. Where is that? Well, it's basically an extension of Madison. It's a, technically okay. a suburb, but it's uh, right next to Madison. So I consider myself a Madisonian. And, you know, if you know your state capitals, you know, Madison's the capital, right? Yep. Yep. We're not the biggest city in the state. Milwaukee gets the, the credit for that. So, we're not a, uh, a huge market, but it's a really beautiful city that, that the University of Wisconsin really um, kind of dominates. And, you know, those, those that have been here, nobody's really complained at, at a visit. It's a real fun place to be. So as a Michigan State Spartan, would you say that this is friendly territory if I came out to a game with my wife? Or would we get, you know, would pummeled with, you know, who knows what, walking through campus? We're generally really, really friendly in the bars and restaurants to all the visitors before the games. Oh, okay. During the games, I don't know so much. But, so just um, if we beat, if we end up winning, <laughs> which doesn't happen often, we should just duck out and head back to Michigan, right? Yep, yep. Okay. We are set up very well for uh, those love love traveling here. Well, what about snow? Talk to us a little bit about the snow situation in that Madison area in terms of what, what would a normal snow, do you get fluffy powder? Do you get ice? And how many inches do you get normally? What does that look like? Yeah, we're, we're about a 53 inch average. Um, most of our snows are, are colder snows, although I'd say the last five, six years, it's, it's kind of gone up and down and we've had some um, pretty cold snaps with, with some fluffy snow. But um, you know, we, we generally get one to two uh, significant ice storms a year, um, but most of our snow, I'll say, is pretty reasonable. Um, this, this winter here is we're, we're getting a, a few more larger snows, but most of our snowfalls are in the, you know, two to four inch range. Um, but, you know, it's not uncommon for us to get a 10 inch snowfall. Okay. All right. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your your business and your thoughts about the industry. And I know um, a little bit about what you have going on because we've worked together in a peer group for a few years and it's been great to get to know know you there. Um, But I'm always interested in learning about how people, how a person gets into their career. Uh, So I really want to kind of take you back to the beginning, maybe even, you know, if you don't mind, just 
like maybe take you back to high school. Like what, what or your family? Like, where did you grow up? What kind of kid were you? What, what, what did your parents do? And, and how did you end up in this industry? Well, um, first off, I, I have an awesome, awesome parents and they've, they've really helped guide me to, to where I am today from, from a young age till, till now I'm still calling upon them for help whenever, whenever things get, get tough. So I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, my, my younger youth, uh, pretty much they, I'll say, um, in a nice way, had us outside all the time. So playing with the neighbors and pick up games of every kind of sport. And, um, you know, usually we'd come in and, and, you know, force down dinner and then go back out until it was, mm-hmm. it was too late. So that's, that's what I remember a lot of my youth and, and sports were a huge part of, of my youth, you know, in the younger years, pretty much, pretty much every sport. Um, my parents sacrificed a lot and worked very hard. So, so we could participate in a lot, but really the, you know, almost the first half of my life was defined by, by hockey. And I was a big hockey player and I really, really dominated, um, really dominated everything I did. And I, I loved it. I literally did other sports to stay in shape for hockey. And, you know, as I got into high school, I, I realized I potentially had a future in it. And um, that really, really dominated me. And, and you know, I had to work hard. I was, I was fortunate to be able to represent my state um, in a lot of events and got to go to some Olympic training center events and wow. really, really worked hard and, and dedicated my life to it. Um, didn't turn out the way I wanted. I, I was really determined to get a division one scholarship. Not everyone that makes it to the NHL. <laughs> what, what position did you play, Sean? I was a goaltender. So oh, nice. a unique, nice. unique perspective on the game. I loved being part of a, a team and I also loved um, the pressure of my position, which, you know, I think, had has a little bit of influence in the snow and ice world um it's a very intense environment and um you know i loved it and it was uh it was always fun um you know it, it actually had some influence on me to where i feel it kind of shaped the way i view the, the seriousness and the professionalism of the snow industry. After high school, I played a year of junior hockey and I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which isn't all that far away from, from Madison. And it was uh, the winter of 95-96 uh, and they just got hammered with snow. And I thought I knew snow. I did not know what snow was <laughs> and until I went up there. And the, the host family, the housing family I was with, you know, a snowstorm is coming and they, they, uh, so you got to park in the lawn where I am. It's, you know, alternate side of the street parking and up there where I was, you couldn't even park in the street. I parked on the lawn and we had an early morning bus trip and I went out to my car and there was snow on top of it. And I had a little teeny Toyota Corolla and I thought I was going to miss our bus. It was a big deal. And my eyes were open for the first time. And I will remember forever the pause and the jaw drop I had seen what that I just didn't know how to handle it yeah totally different environment up there yeah so that was that and on that same trip I also was impacted Um, we went up to Thunder Bay Ontario and I've never seen snow like that there was there was tunnels to front doors as we drove down the road cars buried everywhere and I just couldn't believe I, I didn't know it and analyze it at the time I had no idea snow would be a part of my career but um, I will remember those moments forever and the, the impact. And, you know, I think now to, you know, currently out East is getting a blizzard and what, how, how that screws up infrastructure and, and how important, you know, clearing snow and making safe environments is for just everyday life of people that don't think about it to, uh, you know, go about their daily business. Yeah, something the industry is really turning toward is embracing that philosophy as, as being an emergency provider and just how serious what we do is. I think we've, we've always known it, but I think we're getting really smart as an industry about how to communicate that and really get the value out of that, you know? Yeah, this year, um, we're in a pretty restricted county, so we had to have several 
several meetings, preseason meetings with our team. But, you know, one of our clients is a um, biotech institute and they are doing COVID testing. And part of my message to our team was, you know, this is, you know, we're, we're doing more than just clearing snow so people can go to work. You know, our, our, our community needs these tests so, so others can work. So, you know, we can attack the pandemic. And, you know, if, they're, if their test kits can't get to their facility and because, you know, trucks are slipping or loading docks have snow in them, you know, there's a trickle down effect to, to all of society. And it was, I thought it was pretty powerful to share with them how important our emergency service is to, to just business and life being conducted. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to come back to that. Um, but I want to circle back here a minute because you, you triggered a thought and, and you were talking about you know, just learning, playing junior hockey on the road and being exposed to some of those crazy snow cities environments. But, but you are also making a connection there that I wanted to explore a little bit between playing on a team and a team sport and probably especially as a goalie where you're relying on the team in front of you, right? You know, I played lefty. So, you know, you're, you're relying on your team to do their thing. Um, so you're not trying to save 100 shots a game. But um, what was it about that team sport environment and playing at that level of competitiveness that prepared you for business? Well, I think it's, it's you know, the need for others to achieve greater and, um, and, and trust. You know, it's, it's always interesting whenever you're on, um, you know, a new sports team or I can imagine at a new organization, I haven't been to many new ones. I've kind of been in at, at my company for forever now, but um, you know, it's, it's different in the beginning when bonds haven't been established. And I always, you know, I'd hear stories of, of different teams that would, you know, do a week, you know, off the ice or something before the season started to bond. And I think, you know, to, to build those trusting relationships where you can count on others and, um, you know, trust them and, and trust them to succeed and the need for, for them to be successful, for you to be successful, you know, the, the correlations to, to the business environment are, are huge. And I think important and, you know, whether it be sports or, you know, any other kind of organization, I think, you know, you, you learn lessons in whatever you do. And, you know, in, in especially the snow and ice industry, I mean, it's under time pressure. It's in, it's in, you know, very demanding conditions. If, if you don't have trust and loyalty and commitment with, you know, across from the top down that, that, isn't you're not going to be successful, especially in the hardest of storms. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as somebody else that played sports my whole life, I never, you know, I, I played hockey my whole life, but I never made it to your level. I never, never got to the junior level or even college, but I played in high school. Totally agree. hundred percent that I think that team sports are so important. I just strongly encourage any of our listeners that have small children, uh, team sports are just a wonderful way to develop character and skills that are just very applicable. But Sean, how do you go from playing junior hockey and, you know, playing hockey out in Thunder Bay to starting a landscape business? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> well, it was, uh, you know, sometimes not, not reaching goals is okay. Right. Um, you know, I realized after a year that I wasn't going to get that division one scholarship and I decided I didn't want to play at a lower level and it was time to, you know, think about the rest of my life. Um, you know, again, my awesome parents had, uh, when I was in high school before, you know, I said, I'm putting my foot down and play a couple of years, uh, at juniors. I, uh, they made me apply to a few colleges. And so I was accepted and I was kind of set up, but to, to, you know, continue on with, with, you know, whatever life that was, was next. But I made a kind of abrupt decision in, in the summer before my second year. And it was kind of too late. It was, I think early August. And, you know, I was like, Hey, I had a, a teacher in high school that, that had influence on me in an accounting class. And, you know, I was in Madison and really wanted to go to the UW, um, UW business school is, um, 
an amazing school, one of the top in the country, and it's also expensive. And probably and tough to get too. It was, <laughs> and um, so I, I, you know, made a quick plan, and and I, I took, uh, I went to a local um, technical college with a plan to transfer, and um, that's what I did. I took the hardest classes I could that were requirements for business school, from calculus to all the econ classes to to whatever I could. And I really put my head down and studied and um, was able to take, you know, more inexpensive classes. And then I transferred to EW and had to take a lot of their general classes. And um, when I got there, um, I only had to do basically a year of really high grades to, to get into business school. But nice. my, my transition to my business kind of started right at that moment. Um, I was uh, I had a summer job as, as a landscaper that year. And um, well, to be honest, the owner of the company was frustrated that I couldn't mow lawns fast enough. So he's like, I can't make any money doing this. I also had zero training, um, you know, looking back, of course I failed. Um, and, you know, he got mad at me and all that good stuff, but, um, you know, he said, you want to buy these more? So I, I bought, I was like, sure. Like I have no way to pay for college. I had, uh, I think it was like 5,500 bucks saved up from many hours of work. And, you know, that disappears real quick when you're going to school. Oh yeah. So I, I spent it and bought a really poor truck and a, a trailer and a couple mowers just no idea it was only supposed to be temporary but that summer I was making more money on the Fridays cutting grass I think I'd make like 400 bucks and that's what I made all week working you know Monday to Thursday for for this landscaper and the next year this yeah, was 1998 yeah yeah and I, I said hey I'm gonna I'm gonna do this solo so that's how I started um so I had a different college experience. I, I worked every minute I could. Um, I really had the entrepreneurial bug and um, really was was amazed, you know, but, you know, I had stars in my eyes. I added up, wow, I can make $400 a day every day, you know, added up the days and man, this is, this is no, be no expenses, right? It's all, yeah. it's all thrown in my wallet. Nobody, I mean, the word overhead to me was something that was over your head. And, you know, I, at, at first, the first, a couple of years, I didn't really care. I mean, honestly, my, my focus was to be an accountant and I was going to sell all my equipment and buy a sports car when I graduated and drive it to whatever fancy city I, I worked in. And, um, turns out things changed. And so how many years ago was that, that you officially started the business? Started in 1998. Okay. All right. So you've had a good ride. So so um, I'm sure there's been lots of changes over the years, but what does the company look like now? Tell us kind of where you're at with your business and, you know, and, and you can take that in any direction you want to go with, you know, your service mix or your geographic platform or size or whatever. I'm just, give us a good feel of what, what your business looks like today. Yeah. In 2021, we'll be, um, you know, our growing season, we're going to have a staff of just above 30. Um, I think we have 35 or so trucks now. Um, we are a full service lawn and landscape company doing basically every exterior service with the exception of irrigation. Um, we're a very serious snow company. It's uh, over a third of our revenue or about a third of our revenue um, with, with the, the highest prospect to, to grow that division. So a lot of, a lot of my focus right now is on the snow and ice management, but we have an amazing team. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that was embedded in me and in, in, in school and I'll say in, in life was, you know, it's, it's about the people around you and, you know, we're, we're working very hard at, at, building that team, recruiting, um, our recruiting efforts, especially, um, coming up here in the near future are going to be significant, but we, we have a great administrative team. We have great salespeople. Um, we've, we've promoted some from within to different, um, management and production roles. And that's really neat to develop people. Um, we, we really are, are focusing on that because that's that's really everything for our future. But you know, we we 
you know, we, we have a green side and a white side and, um, you know, we're very focused on doing things our way. Um, we don't conform to industry norms. Um, you know, we have a rather unique market, a very educated market. Um, we're not big fans of competing on cost because something goes out the door when you do that. We're, we're a value-driven company. And, um, you know, the more we, we stick to that and, and stick to our core values, it's amazing how much easier success is, is appearing to be. Sean, when you talk about leadership and building that team, I'm always curious, you know, are you um, kind of who do you follow? What, who are the thought leaders or what, what programs or systems? I know I hear a lot of talk about different, you know, management systems or philosophies. And there's obviously lots of consulting firms offering different types of support. Um, kind of what are, are you tapped into something or wh- who do you, where are you getting your input from when it comes to leadership and running your, you know, building that team, that culture that you want? Well, um, especially this last year, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and including snow fighters. We and, appreciate uh, that. Um, um, I really like Simon's podcast also and, and NALP is um, has, has some great ones too. And, and I'm trying to do more reading. Um, I wish I wish I could say I've, I've read more books in, in my past, but I, uh, I have a whole bunch lined up and I'm literally carving out time. Um, I would say the, the biggest thing right now that we're doing um, resulted, I, I'm pretty sure I was the only attendee at Sima's Snow and Ice Symposium in Grand Rapids um, in 2019. Um, of all the attendees to actually sign up with a, it's a business coaching and consulting firm called Breakthrough Academy. It's not your traditional consulting, but they really interject structure. They're made only for the trades and Breakthrough Academy has, has been business changing for us in the last um, year plus we've, we've been with them. And I think any, you know, any, any consulting, any type of, um, you know, learning you can do from others, whether it's, you know, a mentor, or, you know, a paid consultant, um, studying others is, is huge. But this has been a great fit for us to um, really help us identify internal things as far as role deliverables, um, accountability, and, and really help us understand where we're doing well with, with metrics. And it's really a, an excellent community to be a part of. And it's really neat organization because they're just focused on trades and um, they've really helped us a lot. I've, hear, I've heard that name a lot recently. Um, so I know they're definitely making some inroads in our industries. Uh, someone could just Google Breakthrough Academy and, and find it real quick. Someone could Google Breakthrough Academy or it would be more than my pleasure if they wanted to contact me. Awesome. And I would be more than happy to, to kind of give them my two cents on it. But it's a huge commitment, more so in time than, than in cost. But, you know, depending on where you're at in, in your organization, I'm, I'm confident they can help. And, um, they, yeah, they're really great. I don't, you know, like I said, I think I was the only one from the, the symposium that, that actually signed up with them, but um, I've, I've talked to others and, and referred others, and they've all appreciated it. Oh, that's great. Um, so I want to focus in on your snow business now. Um, you said it's a you know it's a big part of your business, um, and um, you're in a good market, fifty plus inches, and um, you know you've really you've really um, I think from my perspective, from what I've seen. Like you're not afraid to invest and you've invested in equipment, technology systems. Like you're, you're, you're all in with this. Uh, You're not, you're not just dabbling in this. Like you're a serious, you've made a serious commitment to, to be really kind of, you know, world-class in your approach with snow from, from what I can see. Um, So talk to us a little bit about your snow business. It, It sounds like you're all commercial focused, right? with snow and why is that because your your landscape business is not all commercial right correct so why um, focus on commercial exclusively for snow well we've we we used to try to accommodate our residential clients and again that was that was when we 
I'll say weren't as smart as we are now. Um, you know, the big storms, we just couldn't keep up. You know, we always give our commercial properties priority, but, you know, we basically just came to, you know, we don't want to sacrifice a great summer working relationship with a client because we were tardy on a snow event. And um, basically, I don't know, six, seven years ago, decided we just, we're just not doing residential. And again, one of those scary things when you, you take it, you know, you make a change or take a risk and you worry about what it's going to be. And then it, it ended up being awesome. Um, you know, we, we focus on what we're best on and that's delivering to the high-end commercial properties. Um, we still do a couple um, condominium associations, but we have an understanding with them that, you know, beyond doing their private streets, you know, they're, they're last on the list. So, you know, we've been doing them for over a decade. And, and like I said, we have an understanding on, on, you know, scope of service, time of service. And so that works great. But yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, our, our snow operation, it's, it's, it's really special to me. Um, in last winter, um, we certainly invested a lot of money and, um, really some really fancy new equipment and we were able to what are some of those things that you're most excited about um as far as you know equipment or technology and it's it feel free to share brand names if you if you want to if you want to give somebody a shout out but don't don't hesitate there but i'm just kind of curious like what are some of those things that you're most excited about well i'll say you know being in the industry for a long time i kind of felt foolish i'd always heard you know what what loaders can do and you know how they just outpace everything else and we have a lot of trucks so you know we generally don't get huge storms and i don't know i think we have nine or ten bobcats that you know do great at moving snow but i'd always heard about loaders and and didn't uh just wasn't in my wheelhouse and then last winter we we bought one and rented one and we we put uh large metal plus plows on them and we were just blown away by the, the productivity they could do. Um, those loaders with, with, you know, expandable plows with live edge technology that, you know, would, would limit the snow that's left behind and, and help reduce our, our uh, salt usage were, were business changing. And, and you know, we had um, a couple of them last year for, for the loaders and got one for the skid steer and this year we bought a couple more and another one for a skid steer. And, and now we have six and the, the productivity that those six pieces of equipment do in one snowfall. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, when the, you know, straight blade technology went to V plow and yeah. or maybe a better correlation is we used to use skid steers with buckets and then we, you know, switched to a straight blade. Wow. He's, he's, you know, a third faster, maybe even more. And, then we, we, you know, moved to the, you know, blade pusher combo and wow, we thought that was just amazing, which it is. And we still run, you know, a lot of those, um, cage systems. And, uh, but when we went to metal plus, it was, it was very different and it just, I don't, I don't know what they can invent next, but we're going to try it because <laughs> I love, I love trying things. And if they work, you just repeat repeat them like crazy. And if they don't work, you accept that and you move on. And, you know, I think that's risk-taking and I think risk is something we didn't do enough of the first, you know, decade plus of the business. And now that we have a little more financial ability and a little more knowledge on what taking risks is, um, you can never get ahead without, without taking them. You know, another, another thing we did last year, um, which, which you referenced earlier, my peer group, and I, and I owe this 100% to them. When I went to Grand Rapids, I had one mission. That was my big take home was to, to dabble in liquids. And uh, um, that was all I wanted from the symposium. Saw a couple of great presentations from some awesome individuals and um, was introduced to someone that would be in my peer group. Um, well, I wasn't in one then. Um, they told me to look at this company, BSI, um, Boyd Smith Innovation out of Minnesota. It's a small outfit and um, ended up really quickly um, buying a brine maker and um, a couple spray trucks. And they were awesome. They came to my facility and held their hand and 
coached us and, you know, we did our own training, but they really did um, a lot and really got us going. And I can't say enough about them and where they've been. And the, the kind of the same thing happened this year. Um, we bought two more spray trucks. So we have four of them on the road now. And, you know, this is our second year doing um, anti-icing and we're, we're really pushing, um, you know, after the event de-icing with liquids and, and getting that done quite successfully. And um, it's really been, been great. And, and really the, the third, I think, big piece of the puzzle with, with equipment is, is sidewalks. And a couple of years ago, we, we bought basically every different kind of machinery we can to put mm -hmm. them all against each other and see which one's the best. I remember that. <laughs> the what we learned is is uh they're they're all great for different applications you know we love our snow raiders for for select reasons um you know i have to say my clearing and machine of choice that that has really allowed us to excel on a couple uh, campus properties we do is the the ventrac 4500 tractor and nice um just the the ability with with the broom or the blower or the blade the phenomenal drop spreader um just really just increases efficiency huge so you know same thing with that we we're gonna probably add one each year for for a while yeah well you know really what's driving all this from my perspective is is understanding who your ideal client is and really being focused being laser focused on that client and their needs. And, and when you do that, you can really, you know, fully invest in, in the right equipment. You're not trying to spread yourself out and take care of everyone. So, you know, you're really honing in on what those properties need, what those clients need, solving their pain and becoming more valuable to them. And so I, you know, I just give you, that's a scary move to say, yeah, walk away from all this residential business. But um, I, you know, I think when you look around the industry, you know, I think the, probably the bigger players in the industry are not doing residential. Um, and that doesn't mean that's, it's not good work or it can't be profitable work, but it's a completely different business model. And, and I think ultimately you have to choose, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. We talk about it each year for about 10 minutes and, uh, <laughs> and move then on. move on. If, yeah. if we could find a way with the hundreds and hundreds of calls we get, um if we could find a way we'd do it but i'm i'm not convinced in 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 the future will our company will ever be wired for it well let's talk about the future you said the future um i'm curious about your thoughts where do you kind of where do you see the industry heading um what do you think some of the trends are in the industry is there anything that you're kind of exploring right now or researching or kind of where where's that well, I have to say, I think anyone in the snow and ice management industry would agree that it's just an amazing industry. I mean, college I took uh, as an elective, um, I took a landscape architecture class and they talked about how young the industry was as a trade. That, that, you know, there wasn't professional landscaping, you know, 100 years ago, but, you know, there was carpenters, you know, electric industry was, was rocking and rolling and you know, so landscaping is a young industry. Well, you know, sure, there's been snow forever, but the professional end of it is, is extremely young. Um, even in my career in it for 20 years, from what it was 20 years ago to, to what it is today, to what it'll be in five and 10 years, I just, it's, it's, it's inspiring. So, you know, I think the, the future is, is very interesting and, um, you know, especially the, the high-end professionalism of it. Um, I think, you know, there's always going to be budget businesses and, you know, that, that want budget snow services and maybe have parameters where, you know, there's triggers to plow or, you know, salting doesn't always happen. And, you know, to us, if there's a speck of moisture on the ground, it, it gets it gets addressed. And I think there there will be some separation to, you know, society as a whole is really moving to be safety conscious and, um, you know, people's tolerance for imperfection 
I think are going to keep growing. So I think, you know, it's something that's so hard controlling mother nature and ice storms and sideways wind and, and stuff. I think, you know, those that, that really invest and put their, their head down and, and treat it professional are going to just excel. And it's, it's intriguing. My market doesn't have as many um, large firms I'll say as uh, especially on the professional end. Um, the, so it, it's a little, I love studying the industry on a national level and it, it seems especially out East and in some of the, the bigger, you know, Chicago and such markets is, is pretty close to us. Um, you know, it seems like the companies that, that really advance are going to just keep, keep advancing and keep growing. And I'm, I'm amazed that there can be 20 and 30 and $50 million snow only companies and that's that's awesome Incredible. and i think yeah and i mean as technology advances and, and the sciences advance um you know the, the the growth potential i think is is whatever you want it to be so i think the industry going forward is, is just going to keep getting getting better and better on the professional level yeah. And that's a great message for a, a younger person who is new in the industry or someone who's kind of considering, you know, coming into the industry. I'm kind of curious about your thought because you do have, you know, um, in, in regard to that, because you, you do have a substantial green business too with your lawn and landscape business. So um, do you ever have somebody that who just loves lawn and landscape and loves all the design process and the hardscapes and they're just so into it but they really just hate snow and then what do you do with that person yeah well we we uh you bet and i think that's that's okay i think it's important not to force someone into into something they they don't want to do i mean if you're not all in with snow that's that's tricky to to to, to succeed in it um, you know, I think, you know, you have to set your business up, you know, the same way the snow only companies set themselves up to just do snow. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, green businesses out there that, you know, you have to structure and, and I think, I think it can be hard in a market like ours to not employ for 12 months of the year and, and get, um, you know, quality staff for, for either season. Yeah. And I think that's a, a unique challenge, but, you know, we have more staff in the winter. So we have some people from other industries that, um, you know, help us in the winter and they're in their, you know, construction or trucking or whatever they do in the, in the summer. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's always okay to, to identify what you want. Cause if you, if you casually get into snow, that's not a good way to get into it. And I think you're, you're really setting yourself up, you know, for failure. We have um, a couple of people at our, at our firm that um, don't do snow and aren't involved. Um, one of them is, is, a, um, is, is one of his, one of the many hats he wears is, is, is business development um, coordinator. And um, he's not associated with snow at all, which is a real help to me being so immersed in our snow operations. And um, he's able to focus on developing the business all winter long. And the, the quantity of, of things he's working on right now is just awesome. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to have that. But we've, you know, when he, when he started with us eight years ago, he, you know, he was in a plow truck. And, you know, we had just identified as his time was better spent doing other things. And my time was, you know, better spent, you know, focusing on operations and, you know, so I think it's, I guess to answer your question, it's, it's important to identify what you want to do and, and structure and budget or, around that. Um, yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And I give you a, a lot of credit for, for finding ways to, you know, give people that space to, to not force somebody to be, you know, up all night plowing snow if they would rather not, um, especially if, if they're in a role that can support that. And just, just having that mindset of, being an employer who wants full-time year-round people that are going to stay with your company for year after year. Cause you know, part of that turnover in our industry is driven by the seasonality of it. And we're, you know, laying people off and hoping they're still available three months later. I mean, that's a, that's a no win model in my opinion. 
So companies that can figure out how to employ their core staff year round are, are going to be the ones that are going to grow and thrive in this industry. Sean, I'm always curious about people's challenges, um, you know, because sometimes that's where the learning comes from, right, is when things get difficult and we have to really stare something down or have some kind of crisis or, or whatever. And you're, you're, you're a young guy still, so um, I don't know, maybe you haven't had a serious challenge in your life, but, you know, um, is there something that comes to mind, like, like, certainly in your business, you've had to deal with things and was there a time where you're like, wow, I just don't know if I can overcome this. And, you know, I'm kind of curious if you've had something like that in your life that you can point to that has, has kind of made you who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I thought was, was the most devastating thing that ever happened in my business um, was, was clearly the best. Um, in 2004, you know, I hadn't been doing this all that long and, I don't know, we probably had four or five trucks, something like that, but I was, I was heavily dependent. I actually, at that time, I was our only certified applicator to, to apply, uh, you know, fertilizer or Roundup. So the first week of 2004, I was uh, playing indoor soccer with, with a group of friends in a, in a league we did, and I think it was January 4th, and I heard, tore my ACL, and um, that was really scary because I was so physically involved with the business and, you know, I, I didn't think we were at a time where I couldn't be involved. And my surgeon said, you're, you know, your surgery's March 15th and there's a three month recovery. Well, our well, growing season starts about April yeah. 1st. So out for the spring. Yeah. And, uh, I was terrified. Um, but it actually was, was a blessing in disguise. Um, it forced me to, to delegate, um, a business term I had learned in my management degree was the ceiling of complexity. And man, when I, that, that was true. And it was just really about you, you have to, to, to grow your business. You have to overcome that ceiling and allow others to do what you, you thought only you could do and not being able to walk very well yeah that's one way to force it <laughs> right so you know i uh i learned a lesson that that i, I hold true to, to today um i had a individual healthcare policy and my my leg ended up costing me like six six seven thousand dollars to to fix and i was like man none of my employees would ever be able to to pay for that and I didn't have to have it fixed. I just, you know, wouldn't have been able to do activities. So first thing I did was got an awesome health insurance plan and a great plan that we still have today. No annual deductible, low premium. We pay for more than half it. It's, it's just a phenomenal plan and a huge um, attraction for our recruitment department. Oh, yeah. But I was able to get, um, you know, a certified applicator and bought him a truck and trailer and all this fancy stuff and really was forced to, to work from the office for a while. And, and, and that, that was huge. And what, what turned out to, you know, what I thought was something terrifying was, was a, a really big blessing way back in, in 2004. And it, it, uh, it changed us. That's cool. And, and it, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, to add something on 2004 too that, that is relevant to this conversation is, you know, I had time on my hands to do stuff and I went to my first SIMA symposium in Minneapolis. And I remember I was right when I could start walking again. So it must have been in like mid-June. And um, that had a huge influence on me. I don't remember who the speaker was, but it, it it's very distinct. I think he opened up the 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 topic of that hour with i'm going to tell you how you might lose your business and that caught my attention <laughs> I thought it was, yeah and uh the the session was about uh documentation you know there wasn't the fancy technologies mm -hmm. back then but it was about documentation of service and such and it really changed me and it it the symposium was amazing. So anybody out there that hasn't been to one, you, you have to go. Um, it's, it's, it's critical. If you spend money on snow plows, you need to go. But that one in particular made me realize, start to realize, I'll say, 
the professionalism and the power of the industry. So 2004 was a really big year for me. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Um, agree hundred percent symposium. It's a, it's a must, must, uh, do events, a mandatory event in our industry. If you're serious about your snow business, I haven't missed a symposium. I don't think ever since they started having them. And I was definitely at that one in Minneapolis. I probably bumped into you somewhere and didn't know it at the time. Um, but the health insurance thing, that's a big deal because that's rare in our industry for even in, you know, large landscape companies, the biggest companies in our industry certainly have the, uh, wherewithal to provide health insurance for their employees, but most of our, our industry does not. And that's a huge thing. And that's an investment, but it's also an investment in people and retention and stability. And I, I just, Yeah can't say enough for you making that decision and probably I'm guessing at 2004 that wasn't an easy decision to make because that was probably a very expensive proposition that wasn't in your budget exactly but it it you know it it what what we were building then and, and what we build now is it's it's not a cost it it, it sure on the financials it is but you know it's it's our recruitment it's our retention and it's it's our staff knows we care and we invest in them. And that's why all of our, you know, our, our package is, 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 you know, your compensation package for us, you know, with the four, we have a high match 401k. Um, We supply all their uniforms. Um, We love to, to pay for education. You know, all of that I think is, is big. And, And I think what it's done for us is, you know, the fly by night guys, the you know, one season and I'm out, um, it's really changed them. And, you know, the industry always puts numbers up about what it costs to replace someone. And, you know, like I said, I was sticker shocked at, at what my injury cost me. And I don't want that in anyone else. And, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's worked for us. And, you know, we really, we really hold dear. Yeah. I've seen stats as high as, as, as high as 200% of someone's annual salary uh, total cost of replacing a person, um, when you factor in everything, but Sean, this has been fantastic. Um, kind of want to hear just if you have any additional thoughts about the industry or, or, um, on the snow side, but I also want to hear just a, just a quick, quick little bit about your personal life. Like what do you do outside of work? How do you maintain that work-life balance? I know you have a, a son in college. Um, so how, Give us a little peek into Sean outside of work. Uh, outside of work, well, um, yeah, my son, he is great. My 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 life kind of has been dominated for the last decade with with his his sports, um, specifically baseball. He's playing baseball in college now, so nice. we're really excited. Hopefully, next month we get to see him, uh, you know, in that chapter. And um, you know, I love. I love watch. I've loved watching anything he does. Um, getting used to this empty nest thing is uh, is still new to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have the the world's most amazing and supportive wife, and cool. which I think is really important in the snow and ice management industry. If if your family's not on board with the demands, you know, it's not. You know, we have thirty ish, thirty five events here. So that's only 30, 35 days all winter that we're actually doing snow, maybe a little bit before those events and a little bit after, but you have to, you have to have support. And um, so I I love doing things with my family. Um, It's really bummed in 2020 that we couldn't, my wife and I had, we were forcing ourselves to take vacations and we just put them on the calendar. So we had to go and we enjoy doing that. Um, We like to travel and and see live music. So it's, uh, you know, we've, we've been a little, little cooped up, but, um, I really like, I really like to golf. Um, I have a, I'm in a golf league that the company sponsors with some great friends and, you know, we're very fortunate at our house that we have an amazing backyard. So in the, in the summer months, we really enjoy hanging out in our yard and the benefits of owning a landscape company. Yes. Yes. And, uh, (laughs) you know, the, the, this, this year with, with, uh, being at home, my, my, my dad's a big, uh, meat smoker and I've always just kind of been on the sidelines watching it, but I bought a, uh, big green egg and I'm 
I'm part of the cult now and <laughs> nice. uh, it's really fun. So that's kind of what I like to do outside of work. Um, I really try to leave work at work. I work a lot of hours, but when I come home, it's, it's, I rarely, rarely work. Yeah. Cool. Sean, is there anything we didn't cover you want to share with our listeners before we wrap things up? Well, I think, you know, take chances, take risks. Um, you know, if you're a snow professional and you haven't, um, got into liquids yet um, start that journey because it's a journey and you'll always be learning the best companies are still learning Um, I'm a real big advocate and what I think is one of the best things about the snow and ice management industry that I've been fortunate anytime I've ever reached out to anyone for a phone call or advice they've they've always opened up and given me more than, than I could have ever wanted. And I think that's, that's really, really neat and special about snow specific and, and, you know, get educated, you know, Simon has some awesome programs, the CSP, I was really proud of doing that um, last year. And I think, you know, beyond just the, you know, added sales pitch and, you know, learning new things, it, it's, it's a recognition and professionalism. So, you know, if you really, dedicate time and money to this industry you know you, you should be be doing that and you know that kind of falls in in line with all the different technologies and fancy things they have now to to track your crews and track your work and uh you know always evolve i think great. it's 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 important great advice sean thank you so much this has been fantastic you've been a huge supporter of the industry being involved in so many different ways you've been a great supporter of grow the bench and snow fighters and hopefully we can get back to some in-person things you'll be able to you and your wife can see your son play baseball in person this year and um, we'll be able to get back to, into symposium in person and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll see you down in ohio at inner circle this may Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening. We welcome suggestions for future guests or topics. Feel free to email me directly at phil at growthebench.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go for it.